welcome to the podcast. I am Joel here with my dad. I'm Rick. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, we're going to continue today talking about some of the themes from the book that I just had come out called Love Slows Down, How to Keep Anger and Anxiety from Ruining Life's Relationships. And one of the big topics that's that's in there in this section called Section 4 is about learning how to let it go, which I, I wish I was better at that. Uh, I'll never forget uh, sitting in the room we're in right now, second story of our house, looking out, and I had just power washed our our driveway, and uh, it was clean, man. The driveway was clean, clean, clean. Of course, there was still some water, you know, in the street for me power washing all morning. And a guy drove. He had watched me power wash my my thing the whole time. Guy drove up into my driveway with a trailer, backed out, didn't quite make the turn right, so he pulled back in, backed out again, couldn't quite make the turn right left like 20 sets of tire marks with wet mud all in my driveway. And I remember thinking, and literally at the time I'm writing the section on letting it go. <laughs> Did I let it go? Of course, of course. not. Of course not. <laughs> I went down there and I literally almost got, this horrible, but I almost got into a fist fight with a guy. And his son finally came into me. He's like, you guys are two grown men arguing about dirt on a sidewalk. I will clean it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a moron. <laughs> but... How many times in life there's something in us that says, it's just not right that they got away with that, right? And I mean, that's yeah. a small thing, but I've heard people say, you know, like divorce settlements, how the, it's not right what happened in that divorce settlement. The ex just took, got away with everything. It's not right what your brother did taking that inheritance, spending all your parents' money, whatever. It's not right. And one of the things you've modeled for us from as early as I can remember, dad, and you've, I mean, this is kind of almost your, your life theme, yeah, it, it kind of has become my is, message if you had one. Is the idea of you've got to let it go, and one of the most important things you can do to let things go is just forgive. That's the only, that's the only way, forgiveness. you got to walk in it. It's a constant. It's a, it needs to be a life theme because life is filled with injustice. I mean, yeah, look around. Is, are things fair? No, they're not. And who usually gets the short end of the stick? It's the people who already have the short end the of the stick. The people that are already oppressed, yeah. The poor, the oppressed. I know, yeah, it really is. It's just the way it is. I mean, who gets charged 30 bucks because a check bounced? The rich guy? He doesn't have check bounce. He doesn't yeah, have check bounce. So, right. I mean, I'm, I'm already, my check, I'm already overdrawn, and you got to charge me another 30 bucks. I, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, it's, it's just the way it happens. And it's that way in every area of life. That's true. It's just, the, there's a lot of injustice. Well, and, and the more I've been, you know, as I was, uh, so before this, I wrote another book called Fully You, and the chapter that, hands down, I've gotten the most speaking invites and requests to speak about is the chapter on forgiveness. So obviously there's something there, right? Yeah. Like forgiveness is a big deal. Um, because, and, and here's what I, as I've been thinking about this, of course you modeled it for us growing up, but as I think about forgiveness over and over again, there is something in us, a sense of justice that says, this is the way the world's supposed to work. But the world falls so short of that and people do us wrong and they treat us just poorly. And I started to realize, you know, the very foundation of everything we believe as a Christian comes down to one guy shouldering what was done against him and not holding it against those who did it to him. Jesus Christ taking sins and basically bearing the penalty for it. The most unjust act that ever took place. You know, people tell me, they say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Ask Jesus. <laughs> and, I, you know, I say, as far as I can figure, there was only one good person who ever lived. Wow, that's true. And look what happened to him. So if you're talking about you, I can tell you why bad things happen to you. You're not a good person. Well, yeah. <laughs> but so many times what I, so I see a lot of times things, and especially with, you know, things that happen to people as kids, 
And it just, it literally has impacted the rest of their life. Yeah. And when they, the, the, the verse that always comes to mind, because it's kind of the key verse I use in, in the book is, is what King Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. And the, the, the picture that always comes to my mind is when you and I were rafting the Grand Canyon and we were going down this crystal clear, beautiful oh, river. I mean, it was just so clear. Was, you could see to the bottom. Beautiful. Amazing water. At the start. <laughs> at the start. And then our guide, he says, like right at the start of the thing, he's like, oh, the Perea is running, which is this little stream that brings silt in from the desert and just dumps it into the Colorado River. And for the rest of our trip, we're, we're basically like paddling through chocolate milk. It looked like muddy chocolate milk water all because of that one little stupid stream yeah. that polluted everything. And how often does that happen though? Something early on, a small thing or a series of small things or a big thing that literally it, it, we can't see clearly because it taints our heart because yeah. we're just, it was so wrong what was done to us that we're just not going to let it go. And we just can't, you can't even almost see clearly through well, it. And the other thing is you don't really, other than in the church, where do you hear forgiveness taught? True. Where do you, I guess maybe in the counseling room, I would hope in the counseling office, but, um, but I, you know, other than the church, where do you hear it? And how many people yeah. go to counseling? I mean, I have been reading a lot of secular books that are talking about the power of forgiveness, but I mean, they're tapping into the realization that holding on to resentment and bitterness, um, the, the word is ruminating, thinking about the injustice done to you over and over again. It's literally like, you know, cows are ruminant animals. They chew over chew and over it. and then swallow a little bit and heave it back up. That was an example you always gave. Like, that's disgusting. Well, that's basically what happens when you keep pondering and thinking over and over again about what they did. Yeah. Chew on it some more. Chew. And there's some element of that kind of feels good to just be a little bit bitter. You feel like you've got something over on them. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I'm never going to let them go Makes for this. You feel, feel powerful, maybe. Feels, you feel empowered by doing that because otherwise you feel like a victim. Right. And if you don't know the power of setting somebody free and just forgiving, then the only power you have is to just uh, stir and, well, this is what I should have said and this is what I should have done. And boy, wait till I, you know. Yeah. Well, and the challenge with it is, and this is what I've seen over and over again in, the, in this world that we live in, is so many people have been so hurt because our world is so broken. And until you deal with your own hurt, even if you go out and try and set the injustice right, try and fix it. If you're doing it with tainted lenses, like if you're seeing everything in the world through lenses of, you know, like just dirty lenses, you're going to think everybody's got bad motives. And that's what's, you know, you, I've seen people that, um, you know, they're out to, to write an injustice. Maybe they were violated as a kid or violated in their teens or something. And if they haven't dealt with their own hurt, you can end up writing off an entire race. I had a guy tell me this one time. <laughs> he got burned in his first marriage and he said, I'm never going to marry somebody of that race again because those people are all crazy. <laughs> and I was like, actually, brother, there are crazy people of every skin color. Okay, you just got a color crazy ever. one. Yeah. And I was like, if you end up not cleaning off those glasses of those people are crazy, you, you can end up writing off an entire race, an entire gender, an entire people group, and ent- anybody that resembles the one who hurts you is suspect. And you're constantly living in paranoia. And you're, again, you're trying to protect yourself. It comes back to that. You're trying to keep that, get that security connection, control that you were lost to the hand of somebody that victimized you. You're trying to keep that sense of it. But man, you can miss out on a lot of love out there because the love that God has for you, maybe even because you've been tainted. And you, you see everybody of that, again, race or gender or whatever it is, as they're out to get me. Or everybody that church, those, all those Christians are out to get me. Or everybody, mm-hmm. these people are out to, and, it's, and you can see it in a poverty mindset as well. You know, I've seen that in where you 
just assume that I remember a lady saying one time saying, Oh yeah, he goes to, he, he carries a briefcase to work. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, well he's like snooty or he's like, uh, no, he just has stuff he has to carry. With that, and head. that's the, that you grew up with that kind of an attitude. Oh, exactly. you, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and it's, again, it's a, a resentment towards, and you know, whoever it is that oh, who know, who knows? treated you bad. Yeah. Right. But the challenge is, if you go around, even if you try and confront an injustice that was done to you, if you do it from a not an unpure heart, you're you're going to feed into the problem. Yeah. You're going to become part of the problem. Uh, you, you, if you're going to confront injustice, you, that's why Jesus says you got to get the log out of your own eye before you go confront the speck in somebody else's. He's basically saying, deal with your own bitterness, deal with your own hurt, deal with your own propensity to do the same thing to other pe- to other people, and that's the that's the reality of what's what's amazing about forgiveness is uh, that we, we have to get to a point where we recognize that God forgave us. And that's the story of the unforgiving servant that Jesus told Peter, Peter's like, how many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus like 70 times seven. And then he tells the story of the, the guy that's forgiven a huge debt by the King. Then that guy takes off, doesn't forgive a smaller debt that somebody owes him, has this poor guy thrown into prison. Again, the poor guy gets the bad, the bum rap gets thrown in prison. The King calls him back and is like, Dude, I just forgave you a huge sum of money. Why did you not forgive that guy? And then he says, turn him over to the jailers or another version says to the torturers. Yeah, tormentors, torturers. Which which is honestly what it feels like sometimes to not let go of what they did to you. It's like being tormented and it's kind of voluntary. And and here's what the crazy thing, sweet, lovable, wonderful Jesus. Jesus so nice and docile. He says, and that's what my father will do to you if you don't forgive people. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. That's that's not kind, lovable, sweet little baby Jesus. That's like- He's basically saying, God wants, I, I take it as he's saying, God wants to give you the grace you need, but if you refuse to let yourself out of the prison, um, I'm not going to give you the grace you need because I forgave you. Yeah. You better forgive others. And you know, if you want to uh, just to rattle some theological cages out there, and I don't take any stance on this, but I'm just saying this is what Jesus said. Think about it. That guy had been forgiven. And he brought him back. Wow. And he brought him back in and unforgave him. Okay, I don't know what that means. You figured out. Jesus tells the story. I didn't, but that it just, all I know is this. I don't want to enter heaven with unforgiveness in my that's heart. That's right. Get it <laughs> Whatever clear. the theology of yeah. that is. You know, whether that's eternal or whether that's just temporal torment or punishment. Wow, I, that's true. Know, like he like recanted stuff. his forgiveness. Yeah, took it back. <gasps> it's like, wow. Well, that's, we'll that's above our pay grade, Dad. We'll move on with that one, yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, just for all the big theologians yeah, out there who got nothing right. to be upset with us about, now they do. Well, <laughs> so one of the things I talk about in the book is I, I recognize, because I've walked a lot, of, I've had to walk through my own forgiveness. You've had to walk through your own forgiveness of people sure. doing you wrong. And one of our dear friend, Catherine Russell, she's an amazing counselor. She's like, when people ask me, you know, who should I go to for counseling? She's had to walk through forgiveness too. She's had to walk through, like, yeah, and she it. gets We're it, right? And, and one of the things that she talked to me, she talked to me about the idea that you don't wait around and sit around and wait for them to apologize. Yeah. And I was always like, well, one of these days they're going to realize what they did to me and come back begging for mercy. She's like, no, because for one of two, and this is one of the myths of forgiveness I include in the book is that, oh, you know, when they apologize. I'll forgive when they're sorry. Yeah. And of course, Jesus said, hey, Father, forgive them. He's hanging on the cross, totally betrayed. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Before we even acknowledged any guilt. They weren't sorry. The forgiveness. They're still yeah. making fun of him up yeah. there. Yeah. The forgiveness was already extended. Yeah. And so 
she talks about the fact that oftentimes you can't go back and ask her for, they'll never apologize. If they're an abuser. They're not sorry. They feel like they were yeah. right. Or they don't even know what they did. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times, you know, like I'm an, I see guys that, man, they've got so much bitterness towards their dad and their dad passed away. Like that's just not going to be resolved. Right. He's not going to come back and apologize. And if he didn't on his deathbed, you've got to just choose to let that go. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about it is the ball's in your court right now at any given moment. You can choose to forgive now. And again, the reason you forgive is not because they're sorry, because they may not be. Right. You forgive because you've been forgiven. Yeah. And when you, it's just back to that parable. Because you've been forgiven of so much, there's no way you can not forgive anyone else. Which everything God asks of us is for our good. Right, so exactly. So in the book, I talk about how the, the high price of unforgiveness is, I mean, they've shown that like all sorts of physical illnesses come down to that. I mentioned oh, yeah. the story of a book in the book of a guy who's, I tell a really great story in the book of a guy who um, he told me the story that uh, someone had come and shot his sister like execution style and miraculously she survived. The guy got put in prison and then got let out. Yeah. And he was so angry and bitter over this and he was having all these physical issues and he went to a pastor one time to have him pray for his health and the pastor's like, do you have anything you haven't forgiven? And he's like, yeah, this guy, he did me wrong. He did my sister wrong, shot her. She's been disabled ever since. He said, well, we need to forgive him. And so he said, he said, literally within a few hours or days of him walking through that forgiveness, all of his illness symptoms went away. And there's yeah. a lot of medical research now that's showing oh, yeah. when you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, I mean, it's, it's causing these surges in your brain and adrenaline and these, all these emotions. acid in your guts eating yeah. you alive, man. It's eating yeah. you alive. It's, so it's always for your good that you forgive. So you're saying, well, I'm waiting or sitting around waiting for them. And that's like, it's again, it's the, the classic, it's drinking poison and hoping somebody else will die. Yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. So just let go of the poison now. You can do it. Which brings another, another myth of forgiveness I talk about in the book is the idea that, uh, well, I'll just know when it's the right time. I'll feel it deep within me. And no, no, no. I, yeah, I no. say, that's like, well, I'll just know when it's time to get in shape. I'll feel the urge. <laughs> no, probably not. There will always be something better to do. Yeah. Um, and then the other myth, and this is, this is what Catherine taught me. She's an amazing counselor. She taught me that you don't forgive and forget because it's, it's usually impossible to forgive and forget. You can't. Yeah, you can't forget. You can forgive, but you can't forget yeah, because yeah. what they did to you, in fact, if you have forgotten, it's probably some deep, deep trauma that's been done to you where your brain has blocked it out. Uh, but you don't just forgive and forget. You, as Christians, we forgive and choose to remember with forgiveness. And she talked about how grief is a spiral, not a line. And we talk about the stages of grief. You probably heard of them, anger, den denial, um, there's, I don't remember them all of them. I should, them, I think. I should, yeah. there's five, I think. Yeah, and so it's yeah. almost, you think it's linear, like click, click, click. Oh, I'm yeah, over no. my grief. But if you've ever lost somebody you love, you know, it's not like that. It's like a surge of emotion can come back, you know, six months, a year, five years, 10 years later, out of the blue, you just wake up and feel it. And she says, grief is more like a spiral that comes back around. And so what can happen is, you know, six months from the time that, that you got hurt, it comes back around. And I remember for me, I specifically, there was one uh, Sunday in March, Somebody did something to me, stabbed me in the back, and uh, it was always on, it was, uh, it was Palm Sunday. And it's funny, it's, it was in March that time, but it's literally every, like I don't think about this guy at all, he's a goober, right? But every March, this guy will pop into my brain in a dream or something, and I'm like, oh, that guy, and I have to go, oh, and I chose to forgive that goober, forgive right? Again. Yeah, yeah. but it's that, that cycle of, it was something was taken from you that should not have been taken from you, like that's the truth, mm -hmm. But you decide what you're going to do with it. And you have to remind yourself. She said, you always got to remind yourself. Nope, I, choose, I chose to forgive him. 
I chose yeah. to forgive him. I chose to forgive her. I chose to forgive them. And it just comes back around. So you don't forgive and forget. You forgive and choose to remember with forgiveness when it comes back around. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm glad vinyl records are coming back because you can use these illustrations now. Because <laughs> <That's laughs> it's kind of like a scratch on a record. Oh, it yeah. It goes around and it hits again. Only normally, if it's a scratch all the way, it would get more and more constant. You start to as the little needle starts getting. That's right. But it works the other way around. And so maybe this year, maybe you make it uh, six weeks and, and you don't have that time. Because that's the other myth, that forgiveness is a one-time thing. No, it's, you, right. as you said, you forget, you forgive, and then you remember with forgiveness because it will come back. But every time it comes back, that's a chance for you to say, oh, that's right, Lord, I've forgiven that. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Because the reason we forgive is not because they deserve it. Right. Not because they earned it. Not because they've asked for it. Not because they're sorry. We forgive for our own sake. It's, it's, if nothing else, do it for your own selfishness. Do it because you don't want to be eaten up. So, Lord, I forgive because I've been forgiven. And so every time it comes back, it can become a chance for worship just to be remind yourself, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Whoa, I have been forgiven so much. How could I possibly hold that? I mean, I, I look at my hands. As you, as you know, I've, some of my wounds I look at and I go, well, okay, um, what they did to me, they really screwed me over. That was really bad. But at least I don't have holes in my hands or my feet, mm. okay? I haven't been nailed to a cross. My back hasn't been, you know, torn apart. And so it's nothing compared to the price that was paid for me yeah. and the forgiveness that was extended to me. Well, and the, again, Jesus never asks us to do something, I think I said that in the last podcast, that uh, he hasn't exemplified for us first. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, Jesus coming, he's, again, he's the, the only perfect man that ever lived. The idea that he shouldered, he carried our sin, right? I mean, Isaiah talks about that. He bore our sickness. He carried it all with him. The guy that least should have deserved it, but he was the only one that could carry it because we were all tainted. And I think that's one of the things we have to remember too is I heard somebody say the other day, I just don't want to, I don't want to wound anybody. So I'm, I'm getting, the, oh, this, this girl had been shamed off of YouTube. And she's like, well, I don't want to hurt anybody with my words, so I'm getting off of YouTube. And I'm like, sweetheart, uh, I never say sweetheart. I'm says that show, I mean, I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> that, like, there's no way you're not going to hurt people around you, it, even unintentionally, because it's just anytime you're in a, in a, around people, they're gonna unintentionally hurt you. Where I've got, we're all looking out for our own. And I hear people all the time in churches, well, the church wounded me. And, and you and I are kind of unsympathetic. We're like, well, welcome to the club, yeah, buddy. Take a number. Yeah, yes. <laughs> But, no, but it's we true. We don't say that. We just think No, it. but it's true. Like there's so many people that have been hurt, but we have been hurt by the church. Of course. But it's that perpetual recognizing that, yeah, because we have the, we're very prone to hurt people too. But as soon as you start to think, well, I wouldn't hurt anybody. Well, you don't know who you've hurt. Like you may yeah. be the villain in somebody else's story. If, and, if you do anything of significance, you're going to hurt somebody. Right. Because you've, decisions have to be made. Okay, these people want to do this. These people want to do this. If I do this, these people are offended. If I do this, these people are offended. If I do nothing, everybody's offended. Right. So, you, and a decision has to be made. Something has to be done. So if you're doing anything of significance in life, you're going to offend somebody and you're going to be offended. That is part of life unless you just live on an island by yourself. Right. Relationships bring wounding. Relationships bring hurt. Relationships, but, but that's all part of iron sharpening iron. And that's the other thing too, is I hear this a lot. I've spoken to a lot of people about forgiveness over the last few years. Um, a big one is this, you say, unless you lived on an island and you had to have lived on that island from birth on. Oh yeah. Because yes. a lot of the things that I hear people come to me and say is this, is a, okay, I get it. I need to forgive them. Done that. How do I forgive myself? And I'm, I'm, 
I don't relate necessarily to that, but I know a lot of people that hold very high standards for themselves. They've condemned themselves. They're tyrannical with themselves because they're like, oh, what I did, I did to myself. And I say, listen, Jesus forgave you. You have no right to not forgive yourself. Uh, which Unless is, you're higher than him. Well, yeah. Yeah, if you have. Which a, is essentially a form of pride. Like I'm, yeah. I'm beyond what God can do for I me. I will exalt my throne above his and therefore mm. I'll decide if I get forgiven or not. Right. I, that's one thing to say. It's another thing to do because... Because I think that what may touch on that is the other f- myth about forgiveness is that forgiveness is a feeling. Right, yeah. It's not a feeling, it's a decision you make. So you may feel horrible about what you've done to yourself. You may, and and if, you're, if you're waiting for those feelings to go away, it's probably not going to happen. Because you, it's a decision. It's like love. It's just the beautiful thing in the kingdom is so many things are parallel. And one of the parallels is that love is a decision. It's not a feeling. Right, And I think we pretty well understand that. We've heard enough about love. You know, that's a big topic in the church for some reason. Uh, it's a big one. But forgiveness the is the title of the book, way. Love Slows Down. There yeah, you go. Yeah, it's, love it's, it's love sells, topic. man. <laughs> it, does. it does. Hallmark can prove that. Yeah. But um, it, it's not a feeling. It's a decision you make. And so when you make that decision, the feeling may still be there. Mm-hmm. But you, I've decided to forgive. I've decided to forgive me. I've decided to realize that I am fallible. I made a mistake. I am not God. I've made that decision. And then you can still feel horrible, feel horrible. But the thing is, the really cool thing is, feelings will usually get in line if you'll just start doing what's right. Let me give you an example. I had a, I had a guy that I, he'd, he'd hurt our, us, hurt our family years and years ago. You guys are still young. And, and so I knew I had to forgive him. So I forgave him. I forgave him. I forgave him. And every time I would come back again, that little vortex of hurt or whatever, I would, Lord, I forgive him again. Thank you. I forgive. But finally, after about two years, I go, okay, God, I know forgiveness is a decision. But, Dad, how do I get rid of this feeling? Right. You know, I'm, I'm tired of feeling this way. I don't and want I, this guy having more space in my head. Yeah, yeah. I got to get, how do I get rid of the feeling when it comes back again? And, and I felt like the Lord said this. He says, well, let me just ask you this. If you felt like you had forgiven him, how would you behave toward him? Mm. Well, I'd probably do this and this and this. and Well, then do that. Well, isn't that hypocrisy? No, it's doing what's right. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't feel it, instead of being driven by my feelings, I said, okay. So I just, I wrote him a letter thanking him for the positive things in my life. I, I just did it several things. And it was like several years later, a guy was coming up and he'd been treated the same way by this guy. And I found myself defending him. And I thought, oh my gosh. Huh. The feelings have not been here in years because, again, when I behaved properly, even though I didn't feel it, yeah. and, and some would say, well, that's being a hypocrite or faking it till you make it. No, it was being obedient. It was doing what was right regardless of how I felt about it. Mm. And the feelings got in line. If they never got in line, that's okay. I was still doing what was right. Right. And so that's the key thing is you behave properly and the feelings may or may not come along, but usually they get in line with how we behave. So forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision you make and then act on that decision, ignoring the feelings Yeah, and you'll find the feelings get in line. And, and that's, that's where it gets really hard is the acting on it too, I think. Uh, one of the things I've seen is a lot of times admitting that someone took something from you is the hard part. I've seen very powerful people that strong type A people I've walked through forgiveness and when I ask them to say, okay, now you need to say, what did they take from you? And it's like, eh, I don't yeah. know, I'm not going to... You know, like one, one, one girl I was helping her, she's forgiving her mom. And she was, I said, what did she take from you? And she's like, she, oh, I'm not going to say it. I'm like, what? And she's like, 
she, you know, she, she took my trust. She stole my trust. She betrayed me. She abused me for her own means. And every time she said, it's like, she cried. She started crying from that point on. And there's something admitting that someone took something from you is a vulnerable feeling that, I mean, who wants to admit that? A cat walked me through that. She said, this is what this guy took from me. And then you say, but I choose to forgive him for that. So that's what you come back with. He took this from me, but I choose to forgive him for that. And that nobody likes that vulnerable feeling, but the, the power of it is it literally sets you free, but it take, it may take a while. Uh, I remember for me, um, after that guy hurt me, uh, I had this epiphany. I was in a plane one time flying over South America and all of a sudden I felt like God said, are you over this yet or what? Like, are we ready to move on? <laughs> and I was get like, on with life. yeah, like, okay, you've licked your wounds. Are you over? And I was like, and he's like, I'm over this. Okay, we're moving on. And it's, and it, again, it, it came with, I had already acted like I had forgiven him. I mean, I believed I had forgiven him. As yeah. soon as you make the decision, you've forgiven, right? Yeah. But you have to remind your brain to get it in line. But sometimes it takes a while. In fact, we're going to do an episode here in a, shortly on healing because there's a chapter in the book on healing. But I think when it comes to this letting it go and forgiveness, one of the best things we can do, I, I use the example in the book of, remember when we hiked the Inca Trail and um, it's hard to get pure water. And yeah. so I get these really high dollar filters that you can pump. I mean, you can pump from a cesspool and it clear, purifies the water. Every trip, you know, they're supposed to be good for hundred gallons, but I buy a new one every trip just to make sure it's really clear. And every evening we sit around um, out when we're out hiking and when we pump pure water for the next day and we just kind of sit in a circle. And I think that's an example of what we should all do in our lives is that, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Every day, people have done stuff to you, little small things they've done to you, big things they've done to you. Um, but make sure that your heart is clear before you go to bed at night as best as you can. There's some deep things that it may take walking through with a counselor or somebody that understands forgiveness with. But man, the best thing you can do is, you know, that little thing your husband said, that stupid thing he said or she said or didn't do today. Okay, Lord, you forgave me. I'm letting it go. It's like taking that lever and pumping it through, purifying your heart a little bit before you go to bed uh, because you don't want that sitting there. And yeah. the more it sits, the more it builds, the more you, the more the, because what was done, we're not, we're not nullifying the fact that something bad was probably done to you. You're not nullifying it, but what you're saying is I refuse to let it have an, an effect on me at the power over me. I'm, I'm going to have power over it. It's not going to have power over me. And so when you filter your heart every night, it makes it a lot easier to become almost in some ways unoffendable. Like, well, actually that, that is kind of what, if you think about it, when were we forgiven? It was before we even sinned. Mm-hmm. It was on the cross that Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I don't think he was just talking about the soldiers at his feet or the Jewish priests there. He was talking about us. And so it, 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 the, I, I look at it this way. I, I realized one time that you can kind of measure your maturity by how long between the offense and your forgiveness. Mm. And if that's like a week, well, okay, all right, well, good. You, you forgave. That's awesome. Why'd you waste a week? If it's a day, well, that's good. Why waste a day? And again, your example about don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You know, when we were first married, somebody told us, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That means don't go to bed without working out the problem. Oh, oh that's a bad that idea. That is stupid. That was the worst <laughs> advice. I mean, we, I don't know how many endless nights we spent. You're up until 2 in the morning, and then oh. you're angry the next morning, late coming and to work. And you can't even yeah. remember what, 3 a.m., you still don't even remember what we're arguing about. We can't go to sleep, you know. Well, and guess what? The sun had gone down anyway. That's right. And I mean, we were years before I realized I can't keep the sun from going down. What that means is, again, as you said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Doesn't mean stay up all night until you're work it out because that ain't gonna happen. The sun's still gone down. It just means, as you said, work it out in yeah. your heart, forgive before you go to bed. 
And so the, that idea, and, and I realized, okay, so the quicker I forgive, what if immediately when the offense comes, I forgive? Well, that's good, but that still isn't what Jesus did. We need to be, Jesus forgave before the offense. Wow. So as people of God who've been forgiven of so much, we need to walk in a point, and even Psalms, it says, the righteous cannot be offended, where we walk in a point where <laughs> you can't forgive me because I've already forgiven you of that. I haven't even done it yet. That's okay. It doesn't make any difference. I've been forgiven of so much, and I was forgiven before I ever did anything. So therefore, I'm a person of forgiveness. It's, it, it's like the water on the duck's back. It does right. not stick because I've already forgiven you for it. You're, that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the unoffendable. Somebody one time said, I don't think you can be unoffendable. I'm like, well, I mean, that's, that's the essence of, I think, what Galatians 2.20 is. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ yeah. lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's really hard to offend a dead person. Yeah, go up and call him whatever you want to because he's not going to get up and say anything <laughs> yeah, about hey, it, you know? Hey, you look a little pale there, yeah. buddy. Yeah, it's, thinking about that this week, they're tearing down all these statues of these different presidents. And I'm thinking, yeah, they probably don't care. <laughs> they say, yeah, the dead people worried. don't care. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's so true. It, and that's where the, I mean, the rubber hits the road on this. What does it mean to live and die by Christ? Like when you've really surrendered your rights over it's crazy, but you, you even surrender your, your right to be offended. Yeah, exactly. Um, nope, I've been crucified with Christ. And just like Jesus walked and he wasn't, he didn't choose to be offended by us. Um, man, he chose to forgive us in all of our yeah. wretched, dilapidated state. And that's what it's really about is the idea that, man, you've got to keep your heart pure. Because when you keep your heart pure, you can really, you can love, you can receive God's love and you can give love to others when you're walking free of anger, free of bitterness, free of resentment, and you just got to let it go. And we, in an earlier podcast, we talked about how anger is a red light, like a dash, a light on your dashboard. Yeah. Offense is also a red light. It's a red light that points out a right that you have not surrendered. Wow. That's oh, so I wish, it, another thing I wish I would have known for the book. <laughs> so <if you> can, <laughs> We'll put out another one. That's right. So if, if you've got an offense there, you're offended because you've had some right that has been stepped on. Wow. And that's a right we've not surrendered to the Lord. And so I believe he will bring offense into our lives. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast. Because he Woo. wants to point those out. Yes. Well, that's good stuff, Dad. Well, that's this is all from uh, Love Slows Down, How to Keep Anger and Anxiety from Ruining Life's Relationships. And again, I got a feeling this chapter on forgiveness. The last book I wrote, The Forgiveness Chapter, got a lot of- That's powerful stuff. It's the powerful stuff because we've all got to be always forgiving. So if you want to check that out, Love Slows Down is available on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Christian Book. You can get it all of those places. Um, it's And I, I that's uh, section, uh, section four of the book is Let It Go. So uh, if you want to check out more on that, that's a great book for it. If you liked what you heard, please consider sharing this with a friend. For more information, visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Thanks for listening.